This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Nerds. Today's episode is sponsored by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? Nerd Wallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Hey, Bills Mafia, we know there's only one topic every day, all Bills, all the time. And now Matt Bovey and Sal Capaccio are going really deep, talking Bills all year long, because it's always game day in Buffalo. As Matt and I sit here Inside one of the, I think, coaches or GM or front office booths inside Highmark Stadium for the New York Jets, we had to sneak into a place that's a little more quiet. We overlook a very dark Highmark Stadium field where it was very cold and wintry today, but the Buffalo Bills pulled it out. Yeah, it was, I think it's a reminder of how far the Bills have come because they won a game 20 to 12 in the division against a team that I think is actually pretty good. It was a crappy weather day and they get their 10th win of the season. And I think the kind of sentiment for most of the fan base, just judging off the first couple hours of Twitter, is what's wrong with the Bills? Why didn't they win this game by more? They still won by eight points against a team that I do think is probably going to make the playoffs. I think the Jets are pretty good. Now, a lot of that depends on Mike White. A lot of that depends on Quinn and Williams. But the Bills did enough, especially defensively. Their defense was awesome today. A very good Jets team, and in horrible conditions, by the way, the Bills get this victory, 20-12, to 12, like you said, by eight points over the New York Jets. It is, I went and looked, it was the first time the Bills won a game with 232 yards or less of offense. That's what they had since 2018, Josh's rookie year. And on top of that, it was only the third time they won a game with that few yardage since 2009. Like, that means the defense had to step up in this game. To win a game like that means you really, really had to have the defense step up, which they did. I thought the defensive line performance particularly was dominant against the Jets. Yeah, I think that's my big takeaway. This game kind of felt like a 2019 Bills throwback game where Josh Allen made a couple big plays where you're like, wow, that guy's got something special about him. But the defense just smothered the opposing team. And we spent so much time this week talking about Von Miller and his absence and what this meant for the Bills moving forward. But ultimately... The defense stepped up. Shaq Lawson, Greg Rousseau was awesome. Greg Rousseau has seven sacks on the season. He had two today. He had a forced fumble. And even guys like A.J. Epinesa, he makes the big play at the end where he bats the ball down. That ultimately ends the game. Even Boogie Basham had a couple nice plays. So I think overall, the biggest story, even though most people will probably look at the offense struggling, to me is the defensive line just bawling out. Overall, defensive line, four sacks, seven quarterback hurries, two forced fumbles. Like you said, that was the story. I would say that late in the game, I felt this is where you'd like to have Von Miller. Close him out. 
You have a one-score game. The Jets are getting the ball. Close out the game here with Von Miller. They didn't have Von Miller, but guys like you said, Greg Rousseau, A.J. Epinesa, Shaq Lawson, stepping up and making plays when it counted most. And Matt, Matt Milano was incredible once again. He is amazing every single week, and this week he did it playing on an injured knee that left him questionable to even play in this game. Yeah, so he led the team with nine combined tackles. He had seven solo tackles. He had two assists. He was all over the place in this game. He flashed to me more than anybody else on the field. This felt like one of those days where you're like, wow, Matt Milano might be the Bills' best player on defense. So he really, really stepped up. And I also thought Tremaine Edmonds had a nice game. I know people always love to pick on Tremaine Edmonds, but I think you got to give Milano a lot of credit considering the week that he had. He only practiced on Friday. Friday. By the way, if it feels like sometimes we're like stopping and looking, we're watching the Chiefs and the live lot Chiefs and Broncos right now live. And this game is far more interesting than it looked like it was going to be about an hour ago. I, I mean, the Chiefs are going to win, but my goodness, is this becoming more complicated than it should be? And I think that ultimately kind of speaks to what a weird day it was in the NFL. I'm in a group message with a bunch of my friends from a fantasy football league, and that was something that a lot of people were talking about. It was just like, what a strange day around the league. There were some really weird games. I mean, the 49ers are dismantling the Bucks. It looks like the Panthers are going to beat the Seahawks. And the Cowboys almost lost to the Texans. So that's what I mean. The Bills still won. Like, we could be having this conversation in the Bills could have a lousy day. And even though they didn't have a great day, they still won. I think that speaks to just how good they are that they can win games when they don't have their fastball. This was their fifth win of the season, I believe, on a one-score game. And remember when that was a narrative, that they couldn't win one-score games? Now they have done it more than they've lost this year. So I think that that's important. The last time these two teams played, the Bills gave up 174 yards on the ground. This time, and they gave up over five yards of carry. This time, only 76 yards, three and a half yards of carry. I thought the Bills' run defense was particularly good in this game. Again, for the Jets, the conditions weren't that great either. For both teams, they had to play in it. But the Bills' defense, the run defense, was really good in this game, and that's kind of what allowed them to make sure they stayed in the game despite the offensive struggles. Can I give a shout-out, to to Mike White? That dude won me over. That Tough guy, as nails. That guy's a warrior. Like, he was just getting beat up and beat up and hit and hit, and he kept coming back out there. And I can understand why they have him out there. That's a guy you play for. No doubt. And he, by the way, got a lot of credit from the Bills locker room. There were guys really a lot of respect for him. I and mean, he took shot after shot. Um, I, I can't believe he came back in the game after the shot he took the second one around. It was Ed Oliver first, then Matt Milano second, both to the sternum, essentially. He had rib, a rib injury. We'll see where it goes. But you're right. For him to come back out in that game, I like Mike White. I think he looks poised in the pocket, does a nice job hanging back there, but obviously ultimately a little bit too much for the Bills' defense against him in this one. And, of course, the defense had to go back on the field to make the plays at the end of the game. It was not a situation you want to have that happen. That's because the offense struggled, which you'll we'll get to in a minute. But when they needed the play, Matt, they came up with a big play. And like I said, it wasn't Von Miller. It wasn't even Matt Milano. It was that defensive line. It was the young defensive line. And I think they can really grow from that and know that, hey, when we get in a situation against Kansas City in the playoffs or Cincinnati, whatever it is, we, we can do this. It doesn't, we don't have to rely on Von Miller. The one thing I really liked the play of the defensive line. I think they were the ones who were the MVP of this game. That being said, the secondary is still a concern to me, specifically the cornerbacks, because Dane Jackson has struggled. And a lot of people want to know, why is Dane Jackson still playing? Why is he still starting? And it's a great question, because I don't know why Kyrie Elam isn't out on the field more. And then as far as Trey White is concerned, it was going to be, there's going to be some bumps in the road as Trey kind of reacclimates himself back with this defense. Garrett Wilson beat him a couple times today. Now, 
Trey White is still significantly better than any other option that they have. And I trust that Trey will start to look more like the guy who he was pre-injury than he did today. It's not like today was a terrible day or anything like that. But I think they're secondary. There are some question marks and there are some reasons to be concerned because Mike White, Joe Flacco, when he was in there, this defensive line ate against a court quarterbacks who aren't above average next week Tua gets the ball out fast. The offensive line is probably middle of the road. It's obviously much improved than it was last year. I don't think you're going to have the same success sack wise as you did this week against the jets. And that puts more of an emphasis on the corners, especially in a game when you've got Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill. So I don't think it's the end of the world, but the secondary is a bit of a concern for me as this team moves forward. The other thing that's been hurting them is number one wide receivers. In this game, Garrett Wilson, another six catches, 78 yards. Not a great day, but a good enough day to say, hey, it's a rookie, number one wide receiver, and he had a little bit of a day here. And so that's something that's really kind of hurt the Bills. But I saw Travis White basically on him most of the day today. And I think that's maybe the plan going forward against these top guys. And my other issue with the defense today, even though I think it was a really good day, it's hard to be incredibly critical of a defense that only gave up 12 points and one touchdown. So I want to say that they gave up way too many third and longs. The Jets had success on third and eight, third and nine, third and 10. It felt like they were converting those more than more often than not. They were eight for 17 on the entire day, but a lot lot of those conversions felt uh, or happened on long plays. So something to monitor is this, if this team is going to try and get to where we think they're capable of going to. And of course the defense had to step up because the offense did not have its best day. Let's talk about that now. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launcher online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast ebay motors is here for the ride remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease fresh installs and a whole lot of love you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. 
Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Sal Capaccio, Matt Bove. It's always game day in Buffalo. Thanks a lot for downloading, subscribing. Check us out wherever you pod, iTunes, Spotify, wherever that may be. Of course, always on the Odyssey app. And Matt, the offense just did not have a very good day. Again, 232 yards of offense. They punted on their first five possessions. They punted seven times overall. This team does not punt very often, but the Jets give them a lot of credit. They have a very, very good defense at, at all levels. They have very good players, but boy, the Bills at sometimes were their own worst enemy and couldn't get anything going. I feel like it's tough because we're watching this from the stadium, but I think there were more commercial breaks than first downs in the first half with these two teams, and it just looked like the Bills were so out of sync. The offensive line was the area, to me, that really struggled today. There were too many penalties. There were too many missed assignments. There were too many just times when Josh looked like he was trying to get through his reads and he didn't have time to even get to his second or his third read. And some of that's on him. Some of that's on the wide receivers, but some of that's also on the offensive line. So I think their struggles today to me are more about the line than they are about Josh. I think he played a fine game. I don't think this was a great day for Josh Allen. And I certainly don't think it was a bad day for Josh Allen. I think it was just kind of, if this is an average day in the office, you're still a very above average quarterback in the NFL. There were some plays that he made today that only he can make. It wasn't the best, but I think the offensive line moving forward, that's something that needs to be cleaned up way too many penalties against give them credit, a really good jets defense, but it just felt like there was a whole most of, most of the second half, no Quentin Williams though, either. That's what I mean. And they were still struggling at times. So I think that they've been what we expected the offensive line this year. I think the left side has been pretty strong, especially Deion Dawkins. I don't think this was Deion Dawkins best game or anything like that, but I think that he'll bounce back, especially coming off of a week where he was injured. I mean, Dion was banged up going into this game. The right side is the area that I'm a bit concerned about, but the ultimate eraser is Josh Allen. And I do think even though they were very quick to play it off, that it did not matter. I think the weather played more of an impact than anybody was willing to admit after the game because they didn't want to use it as a crutch. But I mean, you were down there. It seemed like it kind of stunk the entire day. Weather-wise it was, it was because of the accumulation, the constant, uh, nature of the weather. It wasn't just, we didn't get drenched on necessarily. It didn't get poured on. It wasn't like this huge wind event, but what it was, was just all day. You never got a break from it being down there. It wasn't just a cold. It was cold enough. Uh, my feet are feeling it, but it was really just a precipitation all day. It was a wet ball. Um, there were times guys actually slipped a few times. Um, I want to go back to the offensive line. We also have an injury to Ryan Bates. We don't know exactly what his status is going forward. He got hurt on Josh Allen's run. I believe into the end zone was the touchdown. I think that he got hurt on Ryan Bates did. So we'll see where that goes going forward um the offensive line overall yeah this is a really good defensive line they got after a little bit josh allen though first pass of the game maybe second pass it was first pass was completed austin knox he has stefan Diggs open for a big gain he just throws a heater by him he was actually one for his first six i believe it was if i remember correctly and then he actually heated up and josh actually had a really nice run where i think through the middle late late second quarter when they scored through the third quarter, Josh was, I think, 13 of 16 in a, uh, uh, at one point, yeah. which was a nice day. He also ran the ball smartly at times. It came to obviously very important yards. I can also think of like five or six drops in this game. And McDermott was very adamant that those were not about the weather. But, I mean, they had to be somewhat impacted. They were very, very noticeable, the drops in critical situations. Isaiah McKenzie, two drops on third down that would have turned into first downs. Yeah, and there was another drop that was negated because of a penalty that it was a catch that he probably could have made. Now, that was at the end of the game, or excuse me, that was at the end of the first half. It would have stopped at the clock. Now, it ultimately doesn't matter because they ended up going down and scoring a touchdown anyway, but 
Also, a lot of people are going to be critical of the decision to throw the ball on first down when they're trying to kill the clock at the end of the game. But Dawson Knox should make that catch. That's right. So I understand that you can be critical of the decision, but it should have worked. And then if he makes that catch, essentially you win the game. So I can think of a couple Dawson Knox drops. I can think of three. You could say two to probably be conservative. Isaiah McKenzie drops. Then I think there was a drop from Diggs. I think he might have. Was John Brown's a drop too? I think Sauce made a good play in the corner. No, I would say that that was just a really good defensive play by Gardner. I wouldn't necessarily count that as a drop. I think maybe Allen could have let him a little bit more, but it looked like his body was kind of turning in both directions and he didn't know exactly which way the ball was going to come. So, I mean, we're talking about at minimum like five drops in this game and that's a concern, but I think that ultimately speaks to Josh's day because I think the numbers would be a little bit better if those drops are ultimately just, you know, brought in. And by the way, the chiefs just beat the Broncos. Not that we were surprised, but we can spend more time on this, but I'll tell you, of course the chiefs look good, right? I mean, they have a great offense, 34 points against that defense. That's saying something. They also just gave up 28 points to the most anemic offense in the league, by the way. Yeah, and I mean that was with a backup quarterback in the fourth. Well, in in in, in the late late in the game for sure, but I think it just shows you that this Chiefs defense can be scored on, right? Yeah, and I think that the Chiefs are the biggest threat in the AFC, of course. I think the Dolphins are very good. Now, people are going to be listening to this, and the Dolphins will have either beaten the Chargers or maybe they lay an egg. So I don't know what's going to happen in that game. What about the Bengals? But that's what my next point was. They put up 23 points against the Browns at home today. So I think it's it goes to show you, going back to the whole it's a weird day in the NFL thing, it happens. I mean, I think the Jets defense is better than the Browns defense. I, I, that's what I think. So, I mean, 23 points. Burrow was 18 of 33, 239 yards, two touchdowns and an interception. So, yeah, I mean, it's not – I think Joe Burrow is legit. But I think when you're looking at the top three or four teams in the AFC, it's the Bills, the Chiefs, the Dolphins, and the Bengals, however you want to kind of piece them together. And, I mean, so far three of the teams have played in the game. And it hasn't been, you know, blowouts in any of the three teams that they all won – but none of the games were blowouts. Just to go back on the offense here, some of the struggles. Um, the run game was okay today, 4.3 yards a carry. A lot of that was Josh Allen, sometimes, as it always is. Uh, it usually is, I should say. 24 carries, 102 yards. Devin Singletary actually is very efficient. 8 for 39, he ran for 4.9 yards a carry. And then what happens, it's always like that with Devin Singletary. You don't think he had a good game. Then you look at the yards per carry. He just didn't get the ball much. I was just surprised they didn't use James Cook more again. He had been getting more involved in the offense. They did actually hand it to Isaiah McKenzie once as well. Um, the Bills, Eric Wood, credit with him with this stat. Did you realize, Matt? Through all the Bills' struggles, quote-unquote, running the ball this year, the Bills are the only team in the NFL that's run for 100 yards or more every single game. I did not know that. I wouldn't have even thought that they ran for more than 100 yards in this game until I heard the stat. I mean, Allen led the way with 47 yards, and then Singletary, like you said, he averaged 4.9 yards a carry. So, yeah, they just snuck over 100, 100 yards in this game. I think Josh helps that stat, though, because every game, Josh... Of course he does. You know, 20 yards, 30 yards. But I would say, hey, listen... The Eagles have Jalen Hurts, and the Bears have Justin Fields, and the Ravens have Lamar Jackson. They haven't done it. It's a good point. It's a good point. I mean, Josh has also played in every game. I mean, Jalen Hurts probably. I think Jalen Hurts has played in every game too. So I think that the run game, we've talked about this a lot, it just needs to be good enough 
to make the Bills a little less predictable. And I think in this game, they probably should have leaned on the run a little bit more, but they kind of hit a lull, and then they were forcing themselves into third and long positions, and then they had to throw, and the weather was bad, so it was a little bit more complicated than that. I even said at the end of the game, I want to criticize the Bills for being too conservative when they were trying to put the game out, but I don't even think they were that conservative. I think there were penalties that pushed them back into situations that forced them into throwing, and that's ultimately why they weren't able to get those first downs, and they had to punt it back to the Jets, giving them a chance. So, yeah. I think the run game is it's fine. I still think even though cook got a lot of the workload against the Patriots, I still think they trust Singletary more than anybody else, especially on a day like today when the weather was bad and the ball was wet. I think they're trusting Singletary more than anybody else. I definitely agree with you on that. One more thing on the offense, only nine total catches for all the wide receivers combined. Diggs had three Davis had three McKenzie had three. Is that concerning to you? No, especially not with Diggs, just because he has had such an unbelievable season. I mean, this is his worst game of the year, and I don't really think it has that much to do with him. I just think it was kind of the game script. He's going against a really good player with Sauce Gardner. I mean, he had the thing that's concerning is he had 32 yards on one play, and he only had 37 yards. So there was only five yards on those other two plays. You think of the, f- the first drive of the game. Josh misses him on a slant. It looked like that would have been a big gain if he hits him there. So, no, I'm not overly concerned with Diggs. As for Gabe Davis, I thought he, I mean, he basically had the same kind of day that Diggs had. He had a nice catch down the sideline. He had a catch that was originally called an incomplete pass. Then they counted it as a catch. So I think that that was a nice play. But no, I'm not overly concerned with any of the receivers. I will say, though, they could use another guy, perhaps named Odell. I think that would help. I think that maybe McKenzie gets too much of the workload in that you could improve there. But besides, I'm not, this is a long way of saying this. I'm not concerned about Diggs. I'm not concerned about Davis. I think McKenzie, those drops need to be cleaned up, and we've kind of seen it consistently throughout the year. I think he's a nice weapon to have, but I think he's an even better weapon to have if you don't have to lean on him so much. It's not so much the individuals I'd be concerned about. It's just a game like this where even the Jets got it to their number one wideout enough times to have 70-something yards, you know, and six catches, 70-something yards, and the Bills just weren't able to do that. That's what's concerning me, that the, the volume of those receivers just maybe should have been more overall for the offense. I'm not concerned about them individually as players. I'm looking at the Jets stat line. You got Wilson over there, Elijah Moore. Between the two of them, they had 130 yards. I think the one thing that I'm interested in is what does Jamison Crowder's potential return look like because if that happens Jamison Crowder was brought here to kind of be the Cole Beasley replacement and then we went into training camp and Isaiah McKenzie was awesome he was making big play after big play and he brought this offense and element that Cole Beasley maybe didn't it was like okay he's a little bit more explosive he's a little bit younger if he can slide into that Cole Beasley role this offense could really take off he really has not done that so I think if they're able to get Jamison Crowder back at some point this season that would give them a nice kind of safety net that Josh has and had for most of this year. I mean, Cole Beasley was so great. It's like, okay, you're going in the zone. We got the guy to break zone. It's just going to go get to the first down, stop, dump it off to him. They don't have anybody who can really do that right now. So that's why I think Crowder might be a more important addition than we thought he would be when he got injured. If he is able to come back for the end of the regular season or for the playoffs. All right. So we've talked about two thirds of the game offense, defense, We have to talk about the other third because there were some big plays in the special teams area in this game, and we'll answer some questions. 
Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, thanks for joining us on this postgame wrap. Bills win 20-12, to 12, kind of a weird score against the Jets. Part of that weird score was the safety. Could have been a lot worse. Yeah. Forgot about that. Right. I mean, this is a big play in the game. The Bills are up 20 to, at the time, it was 20 to 7. It's in the fourth quarter. They're punting from their own nine. The Jets come after it. The Bills have a punt block. It's the second time they've had a punt block since last year. In, in two years, like it was last year against the Steelers, I think it was the last one, the opening game. But ball goes out of the end zone for a safety. The Bills have to punt the ball away, now only down, and only up, excuse me, 11 points and giving the Jets pretty decent field position. But this is a concern. You can't allow something like that to happen, which this is how, Matt, I'll tell you, that's when it's that's when the Vikings game started to creep into my mind and trying to close this game out and weird things happening. It was weird because I also thought back to the conversation we had because it went from a 13-point game to an 11-point game, and I thought maybe the Jets would start to play for the field goal and then the touchdown or vice versa. So I thought there was a better chance the game went to overtime, but the Bills had a lesser chance of just winning the game in regulation. Now, it ultimately doesn't end up costing them because DeMar Hamlin forces the fumble, and that was a really nice play for him. But... Yeah, that is a concern, especially after the Bills then had to punt the ball at the end of the game, and they just had a punt blocked, and you're sitting there thinking like, "Uh uh-oh, the last time we saw this happen, it did not go well. Bill's also very lucky that that went out of the back of the end. 100% they are. That could have been a touchdown. I mean, it rolls out the back. I mean, if that ball stops, doesn't bounce as much, somebody's jumping on it, and all of a sudden that game is, what was it at that point? It was 20. 20 20 to 7 made it 20 to 9. Okay. So if you if they make that, it's twenty fourteen. Uh, yeah, it would have been twenty fourteen with an extra point. Twenty fourteen, and then conceivably the Jets would have a chance to win the game with a touchdown instead of just. T- so yeah, I mean that's it, concerning. It, it was kind of similar to the Bills at the Dolphins at the end of the game when they got the safety and kind of crept in, and the Bills got the ball back. But that said, let's give a lot of credit to Tyler Bass, four for four in his kicks today. Two extra points, two field goals, one a 49-yarder at the start of the fourth quarter in, in tough conditions. And let's give credit to Sam Martin, aside from the block, which isn't on him. Mm-hmm. Some really nice punts. I went back and looked. He only got credit for two punts inside the 20. But of his, of all his punts, he had seven punts, Matt. Four of them, the 21 or worse, that the Jets had to start their drives, which is really nice. And, by the way, good job holding on those kicks because this was not a good condition day with good conditions to do that. One other guy to give credit to, obviously you mentioned Bass and Martin there at the top of the list. Naheem Hines is a much more dynamic returner than anybody they've had since Andre Roberts. He had three punt returns in this game and he averaged 14 yards per return. That's 
good. And then in the kick returns, he had two of them and he had 20 yards in each of them. So I think that those are pretty strong returns. And I think that he has brought them a dynamic that they didn't have. That being said, still would like to see him more involved in the offense. Surprised he hasn't been. Not necessarily surprised today because it wasn't a great day for the offense and there just wasn't that many touches to be had. But moving forward, I would still like to see him more utilized. Well, here's the difference. The Jets' average drive start was their own 25. The Bills was their own 34. I mean, that's what that gets you. I mean, something like Naeem Hines. I think we can look back now and say they were pretty smart to get a Naeem Hines. Conditions like this, he's done it before. He's been a returner in this league for a long time. All right, Matt. As always, throws it out there for questions for you here on the pod. And this was kind of spur of the moment. We're going to record a pod right at the game. What are your questions? At Matt Bove, at Matt underscore Bove, at Sal Sports. What do we have? All right. This is a good one. Why Jackson over Elam? That's a good question. It's a one that a lot of people have. Okay. So I'm going to give you this one now. And this comes from actually Eric Wood bringing this up during the pregame. And this goes back to last week against the Patriots. Why was Elam inactive? And one reason Eric Wood brought up maybe Maybe it's because they're not sure yet on Elam's tackling against teams that want to run the ball. Elam came into this league as known as not a very good tackler. He was a guy that would dive at ankles. He was taught that way at Florida. Maybe, maybe against other teams, they feel like better. Uh, a team isn't going to run as much. Maybe next week we see Elam, let's say, against the Dolphins, who want to throw more with more wide receivers. I don't know if this is the answer. I'm just wondering out loud, like Eric did, maybe you chose Rhodes last week over Elam because you knew that team was going to run the ball. Maybe the same thing this week. You don't want him on the field because you want, you're, you're concerned about his tackling. If not next week, then when? Because, I agree. Because the Dolphins are fast. Their playmakers have a ton of speed. And that was one of the reasons you got Elam because he was a great athlete and because he was fast. So I just don't know. I, I get that point from Eric, but it still feels like when it's third and eight, when it's third and nine, these teams are like, okay, drop back. Where's 30? That's where they target. And more times than not, it ends up being a first down. A lot of people have compared him to Levi Wallace. And they're like, yeah, the second corner always gets way more criticism than he deserves just because he's not the first corner. There's a reason he's getting those targets. But I think this team would kill to have Levi Wallace right now because I do think Jackson has struggled, especially these last couple weeks. They did give up two third and tens and a third and 12 in this game. And that's something that's happened to them quite a bit, actually, over the last several games, giving up those third and longs. That's my possible reasoning. I don't know, but I agree with you. Like next week, let's, we got to see Kyrie Elam or something else is going on here that they really just don't trust him because the Dolphins are going to have a lot more weapons at wide receiver and they don't have as much of a threatening run game if the reason is because of tackling. The one good thing for Elam was he was active. He just didn't play in this game. What else we got? Well, most of the questions as I'm scrolling through them are about Jackson and Elam. Here's one from Joe. How worried should we really be with the offense? I don't think you should be really worried, um, but I do think that you're expectations maybe should be lowered for the offense. I, I think through the last several weeks, ever since Josh's, Josh's elbow injury and kind of laying off him a little bit and maybe the weather, the way it is, and also just seeing that, you know, they don't have the dynamic playmakers overall. Like maybe we thought they would, uh, especially on the outside that, you know, this team, even though they average 27, 28 points a game, maybe we should start to expect more of the 23, 24 points a game. I think it's, a better offense than we saw in 2019, significantly better, but it's not quite an offense that we saw in 2020 or 2021. 
Now that's the bad news. The good news is I think the defense is also closer to the unit we saw in 2019 than we've seen the last two years. So I trust the defense more than I have the last couple of years. I don't trust the offense quite as much, but I think that just means they're a little bit more of a balanced team. So I like your point. Maybe the bar isn't 30 points every week. Maybe it's 26, maybe it's 27. So yeah, maybe you don't feel as comfortable going into a shootout in the playoffs, but I think this team can win a lot of different ways. It's, it's amazing. They're 10 and three and it feels like everybody is so down on them. And at the same time last year, so they played 13 games at the same time last year. What were they? Seven and six, something like that. Seven and six after 13 games. So eight and six at the same time last year, basically, or yeah, I mean, seven and six. So, I mean, my goodness, I think you take 10 and seven and six. And then they and then they ran the table the last four games, uh, five games, I guess they went cause they finished 11 and six last year. Yeah. Now they're 10 and three. I mean, think about that. They're just way ahead of where they were. The difference is the diff, diff, the division is a lot better with teams like the Jets and the Dolphins chasing you. By the way, we're watching highlights from the game today. I did not see, I didn't realize that Dawson Knox didn't get in the end zone until he f- completely flipped. Oh, like yeah. the ball never crossed. I'm seeing this for the first time. Okay. No, no. Like legitimately, it almost felt like he got helped into the end right. zone by the flip. <laughs> so we're sitting there watching the replay up in the press box and it's like, yeah, okay. It's very clear. He doesn't land on the ground, but he's going backwards into the end zone when the ball breaks the plane. I went back and I looked at it right now. A couple of people are like really, really concerned about the offense. And I understand that, but keep in mind they did not start clicking the offense last year until the wild card game against the Patriots. They had a really nice day week 16 against the Patriots. That was they struggled the- against both the Panthers and Falcons. If I remember correctly and the jets. Yeah. Yes. They struggled against the jets that game to end the season. They put up 27 points week 17 at home against the Falcons. They put up 29 and I think they scored a really late touchdown to kind of inflate that number. And then week 15 against the Panthers, they scored 31. So I guess that's a little bit more than I remember them scoring. And then let's see, what was this one? And then 27 against the Bucks in the game that they ultimately slipped up. And that on. was the second half game where they came back in the second half. They just didn't put much on the board in the, first half. You're right about that. Um, I'll also remind everybody, this is not your same old Jets. Okay? If you're concerned about the Bills offense, I understand. You have legitimate concerns. Let's put in perspective, they played a very, very good defense in the New York Jets. I would expect, look, conditions are going to be bad again next week. They're calling for snow. Saturday night against the Miami Dolphins. But that's not the same defense. This Bills offense should be able to move the ball and score more against the Dolphins defense. All right. This is from Ryan Wayland, her buddy over at Spectrum. So he asked the question, why don't the Bills line Russo up on the interior sometimes? His inside power move is so good, and he was successful playing tackle and end in college. I think that's a good question. Yeah, and I, I think they did a little bit when he came in the league, maybe once or twice last year. Um, I, I don't know if you have to line him up there. He does kind of take an inside route sometimes and some of those stunts that they do, gets his hands up. So it's a good question. Maybe they can start to look at that with the loss of Von Miller because they do need some – they need, they need pressure from everywhere, but I would say they also have Boogie Basham and Daquan Jones and Ed Oliver. And, you know, I mean, those guys are pretty good. They're really good and they can get some pressure as well. So it's a good question um, going forward. So unless you have one more, we can talk about the AFC real quick as we wrap up. No, well, the last one is just, it's a fun one. It's from, I want to make sure I get his name right. It's from Greg B. And he just asked, is everybody on the beat best friends? Because he seems like everybody seems to get along no. with each other. No, not everybody's best friend. No, we don't hate each other, though. Most people, I think, get along with each other. I think there's a lot of professional courtesy. That's something that has been criticized by people because we're supposed to be yes. more competitive. That being said, no, I think most people on the beat are pretty good friends. Are we best friends? No, but I was just joking when I said it that way because we don't all just hang out at each other's houses, right? We're not always going over each other's houses, but I think what you see is a lot of the 
cross interaction on our platforms yeah. because we trust each other. And even though we're competitive and I'll say this, shout out to all our bosses who allow us to do that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is a really cool space because, you know, for you, obviously you cover the team, you're on the sideline, you follow the team pretty much every day. I follow the team pretty much every day as well, but my platform, my main outlet is a TV station where usually we're talking about the team for a couple minutes and then you mix in a couple other things. So this is a fun way of kind of going a little bit more in depth and hopefully, you know, reaching a different audience, which is fun. Yeah. So we all do, we all generally do get along. I, I would say it this way. I mean, aside from the occasional something here or there, I don't think there's anybody really hates each other on the beat, to be honest with you. Like you might have some people that just don't get along necessarily or don't really interact that much, Uh, but you know, uh, and we've seen, we've seen some people argue, we've seen some people get mad at each other for something, but we're all like family. That's what happens. Well, it's human nature. I mean, you spend so much time with so many people. I legitimately see the people who cover the bills more than I see 95% of the other people in my life. Cause I mean, think about it. You see them on game day. You see them on Friday, on Thursday, on Wednesday, occasionally on Monday. Sometimes you're traveling with these people. So, you know, there are times when it gets a little heated. No, that's right. Okay, AFC, real quick. So let's take a look at the up-to-date, really, really up-to-date AFC standings. And when I say that, that means it's not up-to-date for you listening. Is it, up, it is up-to-date for us because the Dolphins and Chargers haven't played as we sit here inside Highmark Stadium. But all the other Sunday games are complete. We just have the Sunday night game and the Monday night game, which does include the Patriots, which is interesting because right now, because the Bills beat the Jets... The Bills are still the number one seed in the AFC, although Kansas City has kept pace record-wise. The Bills do have that uh, game up on them, the uh, head-to-head. Baltimore did win. They're a game behind the Bills, but really a game and a half because they beat Baltimore. Tennessee with a monster loss today to the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. Can you believe the Jacksonville Jaguars are still alive for the division? Five and eight, Tennessee seven and six, and Jacksonville's beaten them. So here's what I think. This is a little bit of a weird thought. The most, the best position to be in, and the once it's all said and done, besides the one seed, is probably the five seed because you're probably going on the road to play Tennessee, and I think whoever that team is will be favored. Whether that's the Ravens, whether that's the Bengals, the Dolphins, whoever it is, I think the Titans are not very good. And when you look at the Jags' final stretch, it's kind of a bear because you got the Cowboys, which is a tough game. You got the Jets, who are going to be fighting for their playoff lives, and you've got the Titans again. So the Titans could potentially, you know, try and kind of close out the division. They both have the Cowboys still, and the Titans have the Chargers. Okay, so and they both have the Texans too. So I still they're going to play the last week. Maybe that, that could be. Could that be the Sunday night flex? Maybe that's for it all. Oh yeah, that could absolutely be the Sunday night flex. E- either way, whoever wins the AFC South is probably going to be the four seed, and that's probably going to be the weakest team that makes it into the AFC. From you know, yeah, I think that's going to be the weakest team because I think right now I would be more worried about playing the Jets than I would be about playing the Titans. Do you agree? Oh yeah, I mean, if you, the Jets are going to be a tough out, man. Like, I don't want to play the Jets in the playoffs. I think that you saw what they did today against the Bills offense and last time they played. All right, keep your page open there because I want you to kind of go through the last couple of spots the way they stand. I want to play it out on the ESPN playoff machine on my end. Okay, so what do you want to do first? Well, that's because I want to see the three division teams and the Chargers are right there. Let's see what happens and who makes it based on what happens Sunday night and Monday. Okay. Well, who do you think wins? You think the Dolphins win or the Chargers? Well, I'm going to pick the Chargers, but let's play it out and see what happens here. Because if the Dolphins win, we know they're going to maintain that spot, right? Yes. So right now, if the Dolphins win, uh, they're going to they maintain the sixth seed. But if they lose, the Chargers go to the seventh seed over the Jets. The Jets right now are in the seventh seed. And that would be a really, really spicy little matchup because the Chargers play the Chiefs tough. But if the 
what is it? If the Patriots win, then they jump into the seven seed. If the Chargers and Patriots win. I mean, the Patriots would get their teeth kicked in by the Chiefs at Arrowhead in the wild card round. I'm still not convinced. Uh, people are going to not like me for saying this. The Bills remaining four games is really hard. Really, really yeah. tough. So I think right now, would you take three wins? I think I would. I've said, I said this on the radio. My hot take was the Bills, the Chiefs, and the Bengals will all lose one more game before the end of the year. Well, I think that's a pretty reasonable take considering the Bills and the Bengals still have to play each other, so somebody's going to lose, and the Bills have to play the Dolphins next week, which I think is a sneaky, tough game. I wonder, what do you think the line is for the Dolphins game? Now, that won't come up until the game has been played against the Chargers. I know there'll be a, like a premature line right now. What would you say the Dolphins, assuming that if the Dolphins win and there's no you know major injuries or anything like that, what is the line next week in Buffalo? I'm going to look at it. I'm going to guess right now. The Bills are going to be six and a half point favorites. What do you guess? Ooh, I was going to say three and a half. I think the Dolphins, I said this on the last post game podcast and plenty of people tweeted at me and they're like, you could not have been more wrong about the Dolphins against the 49ers and the Chiefs against the Bengals. Six and a half. You were right. I think that moves. Early look line is six and a half. I think that moves if the Dolphins beat the Chargers tonight. Maybe only to like four and a half or five and a half, but. I think the Dolphins, I don't know why. Maybe I'm just being too sheepish on the Dolphins. I think they're good. Every time I watch them, I'm so impressed by their offense. I think they're good. I don't think their offense is going to travel well in this kind of weather. And I think their defense is not very good. They can make a few plays. They can get to the quarterback a few times. They can get to the ball. I think you can also score on them. The The 49ers did last week with a backup quarterback. And the 49ers had a really good plan on defense. A really, very, very, very good 49ers defense figured out how to stop that offense. And I think when they face a really good defense, look, even against the Bills, they only scored 21 points. They had 212 yards of offense. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I'm just looking at these teams. I think right now, I think Buffalo's got a greater than 99% chance to make the playoffs. They're going to make the playoffs. The Chiefs, if the Chargers lose tonight, clinch a playoff spot. They clinch the AFC West. They clinch the division. They clinch the division. Cincinnati's going to make the playoffs and Baltimore is going to make the playoffs, even though right now they're without Lamar. There's the Dawson Knox replay again. It's pretty crazy. It's crazy. I mean, he, the ball goes in just before the backside of him goes in. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then I, the Dolphins are going to make the playoffs and then it kind of comes down to, and the Titans are going to make the playoffs. So I think the teams that are fighting for that last spot in the playoffs are the Jets, the Patriots and the Chargers, just because they've got a little bit of a head up on I think the Jags are probably more dangerous than some of those teams are, but they're five and eight. So even if they win out, they're nine and eight. And I would like to imagine that the Chargers will get three more wins or the Jets will get two more wins. From a just pure football's perspective, not thinking about the Bills, who would you like to see in those last two spots? Just from like a fan? Yeah, just football. The Jets have the longest playoff drought in the NFL right now. Don't care. And you just say... Don't want to see them. No, don't want to see them because I think they're pretty good and whatever. I don't really care about the Jets. I would say I think the Jags. I think I'm. I like the. I like Trevor Lawrence. I like Doug Peterson. I like some of their skill players. They've got Zay Jones, former Bill. Always liked my interactions with him. I think Christian Kirk is a fun player. I think they would be a really tough team to play in the first round. I think the Chargers. I was having this conversation with Mike Catalana from Wham in Rochester earlier today. I think the Chargers would be a scary team to have to play in the first round just because of Herbert. He didn't seem to agree. He was like, that team's got so many problems. There's a reason that if they lose tonight, they're going to be six and seven. So I know that they're not maybe as complete of a roster as we thought they were going to be going into the season, but I think that they would be, you know, 
a tough out for somebody. I think if you're a team and you're in the two seed of the teams that could potentially get in, you would most want to play the Patriots. That's so weird, but you're probably right. I don't want to see them get in. I just, come on. They're just so, they're such a boring team and come on. Yeah. But if your team is playing in that game, I think that's who you want to play. I think you're like, okay, it's not like Mac is going to come put up 35 on us. I think what you want, if you're the bills is obviously them get to one, but the chiefs and the Bengals to get the two and three in some order, because that way you avoid the bills, avoid those two teams until the AFC championship. There'd be no way they could play either the Bengals or the chiefs until the AFC championship. And one would knock off the other in round that second round. Yeah. A lot depends on what happens on Saturday when the bills and dolphins play each other, but that game against Cincinnati is going to be massive for playoff implications when it's January, January, second Monday night football. All right. We have a December 17th Saturday night football game next up for the bills. Miami dolphins. You got flexed into Saturday night NFL network and on channel seven. So just in case, if you don't have NFL network, you can watch the game locally on channel seven coverage starts at seven 30. The game's at eight 15. And then we'll have live reaction from the podium and the press conferences and stuff after the game. And Matt and I will have a podcast before that to get you ready for it. Thanks for listening. And thanks for always downloading and subscribing to it's always game day in Buffalo.